Good morning, everybody. I want to let, Tyler really wants to do the welcome, and I know he's around here, but if he's not, then I would love to welcome you this morning to San Diego First Church. Our mission here in our church is right behind us. Uh, me and a good friend of mine that also goes to our church here sometimes named Chip Pickin, we spent about three or four months constructing this sign, and there's some really cool things about it. If you look at the lights here, it's 100 feet of different, uh, what we call mm, fairy lights, you can call them fairy lights, but that, I realized like we never explained the origin of this, and so now that I'm doing the welcome, I'm going to tell you that I built it, and so here's my shameless plug, thank you, thank you, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Um, some really cool things have been going on in the life of our church. Our children actually just came back uh, from kids camp, and did you guys have fun? Did you guys have fun in kids camp? Some of you, one of you, two of you, Rihanna had tons of fun. And we actually have an opportunity, we get to show you how much fun that they had through a video here. So if you look on the screen, we're going to show you what it was like at kids camp this last week. Today. All right, what's your favorite flavor of chip? 
Uh, That's all the time we have today, guys. Oh. Other than red, what's your favorite color? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save you from all the mess you in your life. Jesus Christ actually died on the cross and rose from the dead so you don't have to live in sin. He died so you can live with him forever. God looks at you exactly as you are and says, do you know what? There's nothing that you've ever done or there's nowhere you've ever been and there's nothing you could ever be part of ever that would ever make me not love you. Anyone want to be a kid again? Because me watching that, I, yeah, I want to be a kid again. Uh, let me pray for us this morning as we worship together. God, we are so thankful for the ways in which our church thrives and serves itself and serves one another. That our children were able to be a part of something so much greater than themselves, Lord that they have been given the opportunity to live in community with one another, to be able to be inspired by you in song and in worship and devotion and in words, God. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to start building the kingdom of God within our youth and our children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing. The earth is groaning and we are longing for your kingdom to come. And all creation and all of heaven Join their voices as one, singing, God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. 
God, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. God, let your kingdom come. Oh, be stirring, joy arising as we look to the Good morning, church. Thank you for remaining standing for the reading of the word this morning. It's found in Psalms, chapter 30. A psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple of David. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you, for you have lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Amen. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. The word of the Lord. Amen. We are here for you. We are here for you, God. We are here for you. We are here for you. Dedicate yourself to the Lord this morning. We are here for you. 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 
our praises be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. We are here for you. Oh, fill us, Lord. Let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. We are here for your word move in power let your word move in power let what's dead come to life we are here for you we are here for you our hearts are open Lord to you our hearts are
lift our voices in praise to God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, as a church family, we pray over our children as they are dismissed into children's church. Would you join us in reading this prayer from Philippians 1? This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, children. Have fun in children's church. And this morning, we continue the practice of becoming a closer and closer church family. As we pray over our children as we leave, we have an opportunity to be able to pass the love and the peace of Christ to one another. How to do this is if you've never done it before, you go up to someone you know or you don't know and you say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And you can say in reply and also with you. You can also talk about lunch plans or what you're going to do for 4th of July tomorrow. That's also a great way to pass the peace of Christ. Um, you may pass the peace of Christ as we play for you. offer our lives to you today, that we would be able to glorify your name in all that we do. We offer ourselves to you today, Lord. Would you shape us and mold us? We sing, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my Let them flow in sea. 
something that again take my life take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee take my moments and my days let them flow in seasons praise let them flow in seasons praise let's stand together and sing God in my living, there in my breathing, God in my walking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything, be my everything.
I pray to you, Lord, shape us and mold us, God, so that we may follow your will, will that includes love and grace, that we would be able to have you shine through us to others, God. In Jesus' name, we pray and sing. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you so much, band. Good morning, everybody. My name is Tyler. I'm the Director of Communication and Connection here at San Diego First Church, and it's just so great to be able to get together and worship with you all this morning. Um, I just have a few announcements on some important things coming up in the life of our church. First off, if you haven't already had the opportunity to check in, there is a QR code right on the front of your bulletin. It's got a dinosaur right on there, not sponsored by the new Jurassic World movie. It was there before that came out. Um, and you can scan that with your smartphone camera and fill out a super quick form with your name, uh, any contact info. If you'd like to subscribe to our weekly email list or if you have a change of contact info, let us know there. And this is also a great place for you to communicate with the church staff if you have a prayer request or anything else you'd like us to know. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to fill that out and letting us know that you're here. Uh, we are just a few weeks away from our this year's VBS Sports Camp. It's going to be a super great time. I'm lead, helping to lead volleyball again. I'm very excited to do that. Um, and we are still looking for just a few more folks to fill in the last-minute volunteer roles. Uh, a couple more folks needed for registration and check-in each day. And then we also we have some leaders and volunteers that have kids that are too young to be involved in VBS, under three years old or three and under. And uh, we need some volunteers to help out in the nursery watching those kids during the week. So if you've got some time in the afternoon this week of July 18th through the 22nd and you want to help us out for a portion of the week or every day of that week uh, in either of those uh, responsibilities, uh, let us know. Contact the church office. We'd love to have you be a part of the team that makes VBS happen. Uh, we are also, this is super exciting, uh, this fall, bringing back Wednesday night dinners. They're going to be happening again. If you know, pre-pandemic times, uh, we would gather on Wednesday nights when we have children's programming and youth programming and adult youth programming happening. Uh, we would gather for a time of fellowship and food before that, 5.30 to 6.30, typically out in the Friendship Plaza, and serve a meal for, for folks, and it's a great time to get to connect with others, and then we go off and uh, participate in whatever programming you have, you or your kids are attending. Um, and so uh, we are just rebuilding the teams that are going to help make this happen. If you want to help out and make Wednesday dinners happen, it's going to take a lot of folks. We are looking to recruit folks to, to serve on a kitchen team. And what this is, is a, it's a team of about five to six people, and they will get together just once a month to prep and serve one meal. And so if this is something that's interest, that you are interested in, if you know like a really good recipe that can feed a lot of people, let us know. We would love to have your help in the kitchen um, making Wednesday night dinners happen. That's going to be starting back up in the fall, probably around September time frame. Uh, we are also just a couple weeks away from Pastor D returning from his sabbatical. And so one of the things we want to invite you, he, uh, his first day back in the church office is the Monday of VBS week, and then his first Sunday back is July 24th. And so we want to celebrate him, welcome, back, welcome him back from his sabbatical. And so if you'll mark your calendars to join us after church on the 24th, uh, we're going to have a free church lunch and celebration out in the Friendship Plaza. Uh, free food, get to hang out, say hi to Pastor D, welcome him back from his sabbatical, and hopefully hear a little bit about all the fun stuff that he got to be up to while he was gone for three months. So uh, if you'll please mark your calendars and make sure that you join us for that. 
And lastly, uh, this just began this morning, but if you want to mark your calendars and put it on your radar, uh, Doug Zabriskie every week will be leading a Sunday morning prayer time uh, at 10 a.m. That's going to be happening in Bo's conference room, which is just off of the foyer of the Ellipse Chapel by the elevator. Uh, this is just a time for us to get together before the worship service, prepare our hearts, reflect on our week, pray over the service for those leading and all those attending. And so if you'd like to join us for a few moments of prayer every Sunday before uh, the worship service, uh, join us in there at 10 a.m. Open invitation, all are welcome. Uh, let's continue with our worship this morning. I'm going to invite up uh, our ladies trio uh, to sing for us. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us, for we need you to help us find our way. Gentle shepherd. Good morning. My name's Valerie Merline, and I will be reading um, in Matthew, four, excuse me, 25, 14 through 30, the parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, and each according to their ability. Then he went on the journey. 
The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two bags more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man that had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that the harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then, you should have my money on deposit in the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Good morning, church. We're going to be looking today at this parable of Jesus and the idea of Jesus' lordship in our lives. What does it mean when we sing and say Jesus is Lord? What does that total ownership mean in our lives? This is a, a series of parables just before the cross where Jesus speaks about responsible living, giving our lives to him, and accountability uh, for that living. Before we move to that portion of Scripture, let's just take a quick walk through uh, Matthew's Gospel, the places where lordship is defined in the teaching of Jesus. The first is in chapter 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's not just calling out his name. It's not just singing choruses in church. It's not just proclaiming it as we worship. It is living it out. In the next paragraph, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. We are to put into practice the things we learn and hear from Christ. Well, then over in uh, in chapter 8, when Jesus comes down from teaching on the mountainside, the first person he encounters is this leper. And if the teaching of Jesus in in the Sermon on the Mount says lordship is actively doing the will of God, 
following through on what we know, then here he teaches us that lordship is accepting the sovereignty of God. For the leper says to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He understands that Christ has this power. We understand that he is sovereign in our lives. A sovereign is one who possesses and exercises supreme authority over an individual or group. And so we ask ourselves, does Jesus have supreme authority over my life as an individual? Does Jesus have supreme authority over our lives as a fellowship? Do we recognize his leadership in our lives? So we have to have this intimate relationship with Christ that comes out of obedience. And we are also to recognize that he is sovereign Lord of our lives. That means he is sovereign of my time, of my abilities, of my resources, of my talents, we recognize that God is in control of our lives. Then over in Matthew chapter 22, it came up last week when we were talking about the Good Samaritan, when Jesus talks about the greatest commandment. And again, he is asked here, what is the greatest commandment? He reads them the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, and he won't separate the two, love your neighbor as yourself. Dedicating ourselves to God means showing our love to those around us, acting as a neighbor to those who are in need. So with those facts in mind, let's turn then to this parable of the talents, the, uh, the awareness that in this series of parables, Jesus is guiding us into action. This is right near the cross. These are the last things he wants us to know before he goes to his sacrificial death for us. And so lordship is accepting responsibility and accountability. And so these parables kind of lead us in that direction. This one is, is especially near to my heart, for this is the scripture that God used in my life when I was a teenager uh, to lead me into full-time Christian service. I saw this account and said, Lord, if, if you have given me something to be used, I want to make sure it's used for you. And I was just horrified by the idea of burying those talents and abilities and saying, sorry, I just will not use those for your glory. It says God has entrusted blessings and gifts, responsibility to each of us. This is not for just a few to have gifts. He says, the word says clearly, he gives us all gifts as he sees fit. So let's just highlight, and you can do a study on this perhaps this week, but four different places in the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament as well talks about individual gifts that God gives. In Romans chapter 12, we read that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him do it gracefully. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul is just mapping out several of the gifts. There's another list over in uh, the letter to the Corinthian church where Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit capitalized, the same Holy Spirit who indwells us. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all men. And he says in verse 11 of that 12th chapter, all these are given by the same Spirit as he gives them to each person just as he determines. So we're not to start being envious of other people's gifts. We're to see the gifts God gives us and utilize those gifts in the building up of the body of Christ. Next list is over in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul is writing to them and says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Those people are not to be the ones who are doing the acts of service. That is prepare us for doing the acts of service. We recognize this is for building up the body of Christ that we might be his servants. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of Christ. One more place, and that's in Peter's writing. And Peter writes about spiritual gifts as well in chapter 4. He says, Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever. And so we recognize he gives these gifts as he sees fit. It's according to his will. The gifts he has given you fit your task perfectly. And so we recognize that we all fit into this plan of God to share these gifts. And these are not exhaustive lists. There are other gifts that are listed throughout the Old and New Testament, gifts that he places into each of us. But they're all for building up the body of Christ. They are all to be used in service. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit of the Spirit, that which grows out of us if the Spirit lives within us, is love, characterized in joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We don't pick and choose from that list. We don't say, okay, you be patient. I have trouble with that. You be joyful. I'll be this one. I'll be that. No, this is the package that the Holy Spirit gives to each of us as believers. If he lives within us, these are the things that should be coming out of our spirit-filled lives. Spiritual gifts are different. They are given to individuals. And we are to use those gifts in the body of Christ. And they are gifts given as he determines, which brings us then to Matthew chapter 25 and this parable of the talents. It's not lost on us that a talent in their day was a, an amount of money. And so the bags of gold is a wonderful image of that for us. But it's also not lost on us that these are our talents and our abilities. He gives to us generously as we then give it back to him. And what the parable tells us is it's not the amount that is given, but the willingness to use what is given. People respond differently to the gifts of God in our lives. Understand that these are massive gifts. One talent in their standard of living was the equivalent of somewhere between 16 and 20 years' wages. So the smallest gift he gives is a massive gift. And I think we need to understand that the gifts God gives us are massive 
huge gifts, which are to contribute to the life of the body of Christ and to contribute to the way we serve in our world. Don't take lightly your spiritual gift. And so the five-talent servant is given something equivalent between 80 and 100 years' wages, a massive fortune. And so the listeners to Jesus' parable would say immediately, what in the world? No master is going to entrust his servants with this kind of wealth. That's how we should see the value of our spiritual gifts to God. They're of eternal importance. There's also built-in excuses for the five-talent servant, for the two-talent servant, and for the one-talent servant. The five-talent servant could say, well, I've been given so much more, I'm not going to have to work nearly as hard as the other servants to be able to impress the master. He doesn't take that excuse. He works as hard as he can with what he's been given. The two-talent servant has also built-in excuses. He could be comparing himself to the one better than him or to the one with less than him. We are not to play this game of spiritual comparison when it comes to spiritual gifts. We are to use the gifts that God has given us. And so the one-talent servant had built-in excuses, and he took those excuses. He hid the talent away. I want to tell you a story of two guys that I was in high school with. They were both a part of our Christian club. Bruce, who was this amazing athlete. I only knew Bruce for two years because I was two years ahead of him in school. I knew him his freshman and sophomore years. And even at that point, he was ranked number three in the nation as a sophomore in four different distance running categories. By the time he was a senior, he was rated number one in the U.S. And Bruce, uh, Ken and I had paper route during those days, and we'd be out like four or five in the morning, and, and I'd be riding my bike and throwing papers and hear the pitter-patter of feet, and it's Bruce working out. Pre-dawn, he's working out running. We'd have the regular work out with a cross-country team, and then at night, he'd be out running the neighborhood again. He was just given completely to this athletic endeavor. And there was something unique about Bruce, is that no matter what distance he was running, if it was a five-mile run or if it was a marathon, he had this capacity to pace himself to the point that he knew when he crossed the finish line, he was completely spent. And our coaches knew you had to have some people stationed at the finish line because he's going to collapse. I mean, at the tape, he's going to collapse into their arms until he can recuperate. And so they were always ready for that kind of response. The second person that was a part of our cross-country team that senior year in high school was someone I had grown up with from kindergarten through high school, Henry Wu. Henry's folks owned a little Chinese restaurant right downtown San Jose, and we were friends growing up. But the summer between sixth grade and junior high school, he was down in front of his parents' restaurant, busy curb, waiting for a bus, and he's jostled off the curb, and the bus crushes his legs. Uh, you know, it was not the day of social media. We didn't find out about it, most of us, until he, he showed up for the first day of junior high school in a wheelchair. And slowly, through those junior high years, he progressed from wheelchair to walker to crutches and finally making his way on his surgically repaired legs where the bones that had been crushed beyond repair were replaced by metal rods. Henry, you have to understand... We grew up together, but when I say grew up, 
we got to about the third grade, and the rest of us kept growing, and Henry stayed about the same. He never topped five feet. He was never over 100 pounds. But Henry always wanted to be a part of a sports team. Anything that required strength and speed was out of the question. It could not be a contact sport. But he heard the rules of the cross-country team. Said, anybody can show up. All you have to do is run. And he worked himself up to that. And our senior year, he joined the cross-country team. Well, Bruce, as you might imagine, was the leader of the cross-country team and is the only team in my high school or college career that went undefeated. Got all kinds of notoriety around town, and Bruce obviously was a star of this. But the way the scoring goes in cross-country is it, it's only the first few runners that add up the score for the meet totals, the first runner and the first seven or eight runners after that. You get the scoring as how the meet is finished. And some runners, when they would realize they were not going to be in the top qualifiers, would not even finish the race. Just head off across the field back to the locker room. Henry decided, even if he never finished in the running, he was going to finish every cross-country race that we had. Much to the chagrin of the coaches. <laughs> because there was always one coach who had to wait till Henry finished. Everything else was shut down. You know, the roar of the crowd when Henry crosses the line, when the first dozen runners come across and the score is established, we know who won. Henry's still out there running. And he kept running and kept running and kept running. And every meet the entire year, Henry finished the race. Amazing endurance from what he had been through. And so it comes to uh, the end of the cross-country season, and there's the annual sports banquet. And Bruce had received so much notoriety that quite a few members of the press were there, and they wanted to really herald this runner and what he had accomplished. And so, most valuable runner, and they announce Bruce's name, and great applause, they've taken all the pictures. And they say, and now uh, there's an award that's been voted on, on by the team for most inspirational runners. So the cameras are all ready to take Bruce's picture again. What could be more inspirational than a kid that just collapses at the finish line, leads his team to an undefeated season, his first place in every meet of the year? And the coach reads, Henry Wu. And all the press people are looking through their guides, and they see no Henry Wu. They don't know who Henry Wu is. He didn't score a point all year. But the team had voted this because we had seen what Henry had done. Those of us had known him from the time before and after uh, the bus accident, recognized what it took to build his way back to even walk, much less run, much less finish a distance race. In fact, I saw Henry at uh, two class reunions since, and up to our 40th class reunion, he was still running half marathons. Came all the way back. And I still see the picture in my mind of Henry standing next to Bruce. And in the coach's wisdom, they made these trophies the same size. It's like verse 21 and 23. The five-talent servant is rewarded with the exact same words as the two-talent servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The exact same wording to the one who made five more, to the one who made two more. 
It's not how much, but it's our willingness to respond to who we are. So here's Bruce holding this big old most valuable runner trophy. And I don't think Henry could even lift the trophy because it was about the size that he was. But there they are. And we recognize in the parable that Jesus tells us, it doesn't matter how many gifts we've been given. Have I used what he has given me? Well done. The words we live for, right? (laughs) When we finally come into his presence. But we come to the one talent servant who says, I was afraid. And so I hid the talent away. I didn't use it. And what a harsh response. We say, we sure don't want to come to the end of our days and hear you wicked, lazy servant. He was given a fortune, 20 years salary to work with, and he did nothing with it. We've been given these incredible gifts by God through the Holy Spirit in order to use to help people, to build up the body of Christ, to serve others. We need to recognize the value of that gifts. And so, accountability goes right with this. God expects us to bear fruit. He expects us to be faithful. What will we do with what God has given? The rest of the parable is kind of like a postscript, where it starts at verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given, more will be given, and he will have it in abundance. This is often misquoted. Popular songs. Them that's got shall get, them that's not shall lose. So the Bible says, it still is news. <laughs> that's not what it's talking about at all. It's not the wealth getting, the rich getting richer. It is the one who's been responsible being given more responsibility. If we are faithful in what he has given us, he will keep sending opportunities. He'll keep giving us opportunities to serve him more. The reward isn't in this life. The reward is in the life to come. And so the responsibility is a blessing, not a burden. It's an opportunity. And Matthew follows this with another parable that talks about the sheep and the goats and how judgment day is coming. And down in verse 34, it says, The king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous said, Lord, when when did we do that? And Jesus gives us the bottom line of service. If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. In serving our neighbors, in serving our family, in serving those around us, in serving the needy, in serving the homeless, in serving the hungry, in serving the elderly, we serve Jesus. He calls us to that. And the other side are equally surprised. Jesus said, I was in all those situations and you didn't come to my aid. And they said, we certainly would have come to your aid. But he says, if you didn't do it to them, you have not done it to me. So we realize that he calls us to an understanding of the value of what he has done for us. Months ago, when we began in the upper room with Jesus, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict us of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. 
we are called to recognize that God is leading us to service. And with the service comes great joy. And with the gift comes great responsibility. And what greater gift than what we're about to receive as we come to the table of Jesus Christ? When he speaks about the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood and the giving of himself for us, what greater gift is there? But with that great gift comes great responsibility. To whom much is given, much will be required. We realize that he has given us spiritual gifts. And let's not be picky and start being, oh, I wish I had that gift, I wish I had this gift. Focus on the gifts he has given you and use them for his kingdom. It's what he has called us to, and it's what our service is about. And so as we come to the Lord's table, we will gather and receive the elements and hold them and and receive them together, for we are the body. Let's recognize what he's given us. But in preparing your heart to receive communion, ask God about your spiritual giftedness. doesn't say he gave some to be prophets and some of pastors and teachers so they could do the work for the church. It says that's to equip us so that we can do the work of God's kingdom. Ask him how you can serve him this day and this week as we receive the elements this morning. Have the servers come and we'll distribute the elements Hold them until we are all served. As always, we serve open communion. You are all welcome to come to receive what Christ has given. Let's receive it in his name.
Father, we come before you recognizing you are Lord. And as we see in your word, that lordship speaks to our hearts. Do you have complete ownership of our time, of our resources, of who we are? For it is you who have gifted us. It is you who have won us. It is you who gives us life. And we want to return that life to you in service. So even as we come to your table this morning, we want to come with our eyes wide open. For in your word it says you have prepared in advance good works for us to perform. So we walk into this day seeking what those works are. How can we glorify you? How can we find what we can do for you today? Help us, Father, to acknowledge our giftedness, to recognize that giftedness, and to recognize that with it comes great responsibility. We thank you for it, for it is in that responsibility that we live out your life within us. And so we come to your table as one, as your family, with you at the head of the table, gracing us with this incredible gift. And the word says on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. They knew of covenant. They knew of the covenants of the Old Testament, but this is a new covenant, a covenant that gives us full awareness of who he is. He said, take and drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread, and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. As we're dismissed today, I want to go with the words of James. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He calls on the people of the first century and it filters down to us. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Let's take our faith and go and live it out this day in the name of Christ. God bless you. Go in peace.